Hey all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, nature nerds, to You're Gonna Die Out There, where we tell you cautionary tales of man versus wilderness. Indeed. Jen sitting across from me. Hello. That was loud, wasn't it? (laughs) That was great. That was great. I'm excited over here. We've gotten a lot of additional photos from people and their animals, and we just want to say, keep them coming. So great. I love all the chicken photos. Just I, so you know. Are you guys pandering? Are you guys pandering to Jen? No, I feel like I mean, there's what, more chicken photos coming in than there are cats. Listen. Come on. Nobody truly understands the love one can have for their chicken. I mean, big news. You got some new chickens. I got some new chickens. I From our patrons, I requested some suggestions for names. Yes. And there's so many good ones. So I'm still ones. trying to decide. I'm trying to get to know them a little bit. And I will announce the names. We're all waiting with bated breath. I'm sure everybody's super excited about that. On the edge of my seat. Also, thanks for all the awesome reviews. People sent in their mailing address. So mm-hmm. I'm going to send some stickers. Are you ready for some science news? I'm super ready. You told me it's a funny one, so... I'm excited. It's more of a technology science news. Well, you know, I kind of went out of the box last week with my like, you know, social science, social science, definitely social science. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I just want to say that I found this on IFL science. Oh, nice. And it really jumped out at me because it's wrong. It's one reason why I have never purchased an automatic vacuum before. The title of this article is Roomba's new design update should help pet owners avoid a poop catastrophe. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. If you've owned a Roomba and this has happened to you, write us and tell us about it. Send us some pictures. I'd love to see it. I have a Roomba, (laughs) but I hardly use it because my house has so much crap in it. I can't find a good open space. Well, this is literal crap we're talking about. Oh, boy. Yeah, Yeah. I've seen. I've read. Some pretty funny stories. Because the Roomba doesn't discern between dirt and, you know, like poops. Poops. Mm -hmm. And so people who've had like puppies or cats, maybe there's like a stray turd that gets out there. Or some chickens. Or some some chickens. And then the Roomba just, uh, when it sucks it up, I guess the turd gets stuck in the actual like uh, little feet Uh that clean everything. Yes. And so they cover the entire surface of wherever they're cleaning with shit, with your animal's poo. Oh, God. So there was, I guess, one owner that did a review a while back. I think it's maybe the more famous of the reviews, Jesse Newton. No, I feel like this is the one I read. It's 2016 when his puppy Evie took a poop on a rug. Um, And usually they would have the Roomba run at 1.30 a.m. So when they woke up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess Jesse drew a diagram. I'm just going to show Jen real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And it's just like a bunch of brown lines and squiggly lines, like the, the, <laughs> the track the of the trail. Roomba. Yeah. You guys have to go and read this. I'm going to put the link for this particular science news in our show notes because his review is so funny. And if I were to read it now, I wouldn't be able to read Get- it get through it. <laughs> it would be bad news. I like that Roomba kind of uh, is making fun of themselves a little bit in this. Yeah. So they've come up with this new technology. Super cool. They've named it Pet Owner Official Promise oh, okay. or Poop. Oh, 
my god that's great yeah they're trying to eradicate these harrowing events that's a quote (laughs) so they updated their software and basically this artificial intelligence which just more ai in our homes Mm -hmm. my friend hoya is probably like super freaked out by that she's really scared of it like ai oh yeah like legitimately alexa (laughs) Alexa kind of freaks me out it's creepy yeah this new ai that's in the roomba i think it's going to be the roomba j7 plus which sounds like it's going to be real expensive it keeps a weather eye on the horizon in case of any odorous obstacles and can change course should it be set for collision wow whoever wrote this article good job who wrote this article rachel Hmm. funnel Good job, Rachel Funnel. It also sends a picture of whatever the obstruction is. So if there's a poops, it'll send a picture to your phone of like, hey, I saw this. So you're at work or you wake up in the morning and <laughs> it's just a picture it's of It's just like poops. The, the Roomba messaged you and it's just like a, it's a picture of like bird's eye view or like, <laughs> or like level view of the poop. The Roomba view. Yeah. But I guess it also is very helpful, helpful for other things like cords. Charging yeah, cords, cords or in my house multitudes of hair ties oh yeah because i have two girls and yes. there's hair ties everywhere everywhere i yeah. can't and it, when i need one i can't find one but mm-hmm. when i find them everywhere around yeah. the house yep. see it's exciting stuff hair ties and what else there's something else bobby pins no we don't but do bobby was, pins because oh. i don't get that into it with their hair but my mom was really into bobby well, she, my mom was ballet, into those though. like three inch bobby pins oh, and she like shove them up into my skull yeah when she would do the braids, she would always tuck under my the tails of my two braids because she yeah. did the double braid thing. Yeah, your mom. And then she would just like, <clears throat> I would always feel it right on that backbone part. My I mom know didn't know how to do hair that well. I mean, yeah. she could do like some like Little House on the Prairie braids, which she did. I wish my mom did not know how to French braid. Yeah. <laughs> just years of pain. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like you should read an excerpt from his review. Do you really want me to? Yeah, I do because I, do I feel like this is, I want to hear it because I Think, I think this is the one that I read. I'm pretty sure I sent it to you or I sent it to my husband. It was so entertaining. It's so good. Could, yeah. Okay, so I'll read this one little thing they put into the article. Why, friends? That's because our Roomba runs at 1.30 a.m. every night while we sleep. And it found the poop. And so begins the poop-tastrophe. The poopocalypse. The pooping. <laughs> the pooping. I love it. <laughs> He goes on to say, once the Roomba ran over the poop, it continued to leave, quote, a 25 foot poop trails all over the house that got onto walls, furniture and even (gasps) Newton's child, Uh... like his kid. After discovering, quote, a brown encrusted, vaguely Roomba shaped thing sitting in the middle of the floor with a glowing, (laughs) a glowing green light, like everything's okay. (laughs) Newton swiftly tossed it into bubble bath, leading to a whirl bop hiss. That signaled its journey's end. Fortunately, humanity invented warranties. Oh my gosh. He called the place that he bought it. They have a lifetime warranty on anything that they sell. Oh, nice. He says, I called and told them the truth. My Roomba found dog poop and almost precipitated World War III. And you, <laughs> and you know what they did? They offered to replace it. That's awesome. Nice story. Thank you. Good to know there's... Well, so now if you're going to get one, you should get one that has a poop detector on it. Yeah. It's the J7 Plus. P-O-O-P. What was it again? Pet owner official promise. Nice. Someone in their marketing department needs a raise for that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Well, Megan, I have a story for us today. It has nothing to do with uh, Roombas or poops 
or uh, any of that. It's actually one I've been wanting to do for a while. You know how I have a fear of crocodiles and alligators. I, I can look at them from afar and, yeah. I re- and I think they're cool and all that. You have like a healthy, what's it called? Respect. There we go. I wouldn't want to be in some sort of like water situation or anybody I know around mm-hmm. them. Yeah. It's just there's too many really scary things that have happened. I know I brought it up before, but the kid at Disney World. That is a sad, sad story. Yeah. yeah. Frightening. Uh, we're going to talk about another creature, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Yes. But they're pretty cool, actually. I think okay. I would go check these out from a distance, from a safe, respectful distance. But I'm going to start off with a little story like I like to do. I have a story about a couple from England. This is in June 2008. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Allen, who was then 25 and her boyfriend 30 year old James Manning he is a former Royal Marine who served in Iraq and Afghanistan impressive I just want to keep that in there because thank you for your service yes Mr. James Manning Um, they're both from Devon Devon in England in England they went on a diving trip they were traveling through Indonesia okay so they were like going through a lot of places they went to Thailand and Mm -hmm. then Indonesia they met up with a lady named Kathleen Mitchinson who runs a place called Dive seekers company on a island called Flores Island. And this is in and around like an Indonesian area like Bali, but a little bit further over. They, along with two other divers, there was a guy named Laurent Pinel. He was French. And another lady, Helena... Uh, Bottom Carter. Sorry. That would be amazing. Myself. I'm not going to say this right because she's Swedish. Mm-hmm. Navalinen. That sounds great. The couple had taken a couple of diving courses when they were in Thailand. And then they, like I said, they were working their way through Indonesia. When they got to Flores, they got with this group and they were like, let's do this live aboard trip for three days. We're going to go around and see some beautiful coral reefs. And it sounds awesome. Oh, probably some sunfish too. Oh yeah. Lots of really beautiful stuff. I mean, that area is just very gorgeous. And a lot of people, when you look at a map, there's so many dive sites like all around these areas. Mm -hmm. And one of the areas they were going to be touring around was Komodo Island. Okay. Okay. Did you know that Flores Island is super mysterious and scientists have found subhumans from like a long time ago that were like hobbitses. They were like little (laughs) hobbits. They were like little people. Full on humans. Right. But but little. But not like little people today. No, 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 no. Not like that. Like this is homo fluorescent. I don't know. But they were they were people. Yeah. They were small people. But they were not homo sapiens. Not homo sapiens. They also had pygmy elephants on that same island. Wait a minute. I just watched Gulliver's Travels with my son. (laughs) It's not quite like that, but it's interesting because they had like pygmy elephants, but giant rats and little people. That sounds like Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah. Yeah. They're finding all kinds of interesting things that just throw scientists for a loop. That'll be a science news for another day. So anyway, they left for their three day adventure (laughs) 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 on their wooden liveaboard boat. What's the difference between a liveaboard boat and just a regular boat? Is it just like, well, liveaboard you has like a small <coughs> like kitchen. Like a cabin. Yeah, a cabin. Oh, so okay. you're going to sleep on it. You're going right. to live. Aboard it. Yes. I it, get it. I get yeah. it. <laughs> the first two days went great. They saw these like beautiful reefs and they were having a great time. And this was like I said, it's around Komodo Island. So each day they started out with like a walking trip on an island and then they would dive in the afternoon. The first dive was this place called Hanging Garden. The second dive around three o'clock was a place called Manta Corner, obviously to see oh, mantas. mantas yeah. Yep. You know, they were having a great time, took lots of pictures. They surfaced from that dive a little after 4 
4 p.m. Mm -hmm. So it was a 65-minute dive. And they were about, at that point, 30 yards from the boat. But the crew on the boat had their backs to them and didn't see them. So they were blowing their whistle. They had the inflatable orange marker buoy that Mm -hmm. divers carry. Everything they did, yelling, screaming, it didn't work. The issue was is that at that time, the currents were super strong. Even though they were trying to get the attention, they kept floating further and further away from the boat and the boat didn't hear them and didn't see them. An hour later at 5 p.m., they can still see the boat, but way further in the distance. And they said there at that point, there was no way that the crew would see them. They're like, okay, should we try to swim for land? They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's getting dark. Let's just try and swim for land. But they kept trying to swim together. They had to still had their dive vests, you know, which are inflatable. They're trying to swim, but the currents were so strong that it kept pulling them away from the beach and around different islands. So by 7 p.m., it's dark. They see the light of fishing boats. They whistled, they shouted. Of course, nobody's going to hear them. And by this point, you know, they've been in the water They because they did a dive initially and then they did a second dive. So they're starting to get weak, you know, because they're just wading in the water. And also they were getting cold. They just kept trying to like keep themselves moving, keep warm. The good thing is, is they had this big log, like a six foot log float by. And so they grabbed it to cling to. But one mm. thing they were really scared of, and I would be too, are sharks. Yeah. Remember open water? I remember. We can never forget. We had just landed in Micronesia and they're like, hey, let's go watch this movie. It's called yeah. Open Water. <laughs> <laughs> what, like the next day or like two days later, we were actually doing our open water. <laughs> yeah. Like our safety stuff. They held on to the log. They still, like they couldn't see much. It was nighttime and they knew they weren't going to be found at night. And then around 8 p.m., the wind picked up. There was waves crashing over them. The sweet girl Helena she was getting seasick and it was making her more weak and they were trying to hold on to her a little bit later like almost 11 o'clock the wind dropped a little so they could see things maybe off in the distance and they thought they saw some land so around midnight Kathleen who owns the dive seekers business she's the main you know dive instructor dive lead Mm -hmm. and Jim Manning they decided to break away from the log and try to swim to land because they thought they could see the outline of a beach so they went but the surf was going to push them into the rocks. So Mm. Kathleen came back, but Jim managed to make it to the beach. He tried to come back and pull them in, and he eventually got all of them in. So by about one in the morning, they were all on the beach. But that's like a long ordeal. Imagine they went down at 3 p.m. Yeah. And by one in the morning, you know, they got on land. Almost 12 hours later. That's just super scary. So they're like, okay, we're here. By sunrise, they were all super cold because they decided to keep their wetsuits on. Oh. Because they thought that would be better than taking them off for some reason. But they were all really cold. Kathleen, who's familiar with the area because she's from, you know, lives out there and Mm -hmm. does all these dive tours. She thought they were on this island called Pandawa Island. And she was like, there's got to be some fishing boats in one of the like around the island in one of the bays. Jim's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and look for some of these fishing boats. I'm going to go find us help. You guys all just hang out here. Which, you know, they always say you got to stay together. Mm -hmm. I see what he was trying to do. He's like trying to go find, thinking there's people. But in fact, they were on an island called Rinka Island. And 
nobody lives there mm-hmm. it's a deserted island and the, one of the homes of the famous kimono dragon kathleen was going to go with jim because she knew the language and thought well i can be helpful if we do see people i can explain the situation and try mm-hmm. to get us some help but it was like really steep slopes to try and climb around and so probably i'm thinking like islands you know they're pretty karsty and it'd mm-hmm. be like those pointy steep rocks Jim was like, you know what? This is too dangerous. Just stay here. I'll go. He's the soldier. And he's like, I can do this. By that morning around 8 a.m., he's almost to the top of the cliff. And he said there was like a snake that like went in front of him and he almost <laughs> fell. Oh, no. And then a couple hours later, he almost ran into a huge bee colony, he said. And he was like freaking out because that would have been really bad. So he was running into all these like things that were happening to him along the way. But back on the beach, the rest of them were trying to build a fire. I was going to say, is someone building a fire? Yeah, they had a magnifying glass. It didn't work. It would make some smoke, but there was no flame. And they were all super thirsty. I guess at one point, one of them found a coconut and was able to break it open. But it was nice. it was no good. It was like rotten inside. Oh. It's like when you watch Castaway. I think we talked about this. So oh, when yeah. I watched it with my family and, and they're just laughing. the islands, they laughed because they're like, oh silly white people don't know how to do anything <laughs> i was like it's true <laughs> and you're like but listen what if i dropped you in the middle of michigan listen if i dropped you in the middle of new york city <laughs> right so by 1 p.m they built this big sos out of rocks which they said was really hard because they were hot like it's that's a lot of work the rocks were heavy it, the sun was beating down on them they were thirsty all that stuff and i think they were trying to build the fire originally to like warm up or maybe dry their stuff mm-hmm. they're also hungry they were trying to look for some sort of food and they ended up finding some mussels and they were eating them they're like well let's just try this and they're mm-hmm. just also hoping that somebody will find them and then this big komodo dragon lumbers into their space and he's dragging in his mouth Jim's wetsuit because I guess he took it off maybe and left it because he was just going in his boots like his dive boots and his shorts and t-shirt did they know that he took it off I hope so it doesn't really say but it's just like they're like already in in there and Jim's like I'll I'll be back and and then she's already worried about him yeah and then this Komodo dragon just comes dragging his wetsuit like yeah I ate what was inside look what I found they say that the Komodo dragon also tried to bite Helena in the head because he was trying to get her wetsuit hood I don't know. He's just like, can I have these things? I like them. They are kind of squishy and wet. They were super freaked out. They were throwing Mm -hmm. rocks and hitting it with a stick because they said that it kept like looking like it was going to lunge at their feet, which is so scary. That is scary. They're huge. 10 feet long, almost like around 300 pounds. By 5 p.m., they were just desperate, knowing they're going to have to spend another night there. And they didn't know if like anybody was looking for them. They saw a plane had passed over, but they the plane didn't see them. And they also had seen some boats in the distance, but they were couldn't get the attention. And they were also worried about Jim and his <laughs> empty wetsuit. <laughs> that was at 5 p.m. And Jim's having the same kind of issue. Like he thought he saw people and he was like, hey, over here, help me. And they were actually rocks. That's the worst. Yeah. They spent another night there. So the next morning, they were just really hoping that something would happen. And by 1230, Jim saw a boat coming around and all his people were on it like waving to him so what had happened is one of the other dive owners Mm -hmm. this guy named frank winkler he's looked at a map because he knew the currents 
because he knows the area so well. And he's like, I think they would have drifted here. And he was right. And he found nice. them. A couple of days, scary days. And they ended up on this island with uh, a bunch of Komodo dragons. A bunch of Komodo dragons <laughs> trying try to steal to, their wetsuits. They didn't try to kill the Komodo dragon, like eat it? Well, they're it's against the law, Megan. Oh, my bad. Jeez. Survival. No, you'll learn. <laughs> okay. They're endangered. You We're going to learn about them. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, they're a tourist attraction for people. Right, right. There's a Komodo dragon at Honolulu Zoo. Is there? Really? I don't remember if they have two or just one, but it, it's like you go to the exhibit and they're usually not out. <laughs> so it's like the most boring exhibit. So Komodo dragons are endemic to the islands of Komodo. Rinka Nusa Kode or Nusa Code, I'm not sure. And Gili Motang. So people can correct me on all these. I haven't been there. So those islands are all within the Komodo National Park area. And outside of that, they can also be found on the west and north coast of that Flores Island. Komodo dragon's habitat is usually from lowlands up to 800 meters in tropical forests or deciduous monsoon forests, savanna, and mangrove forests. But they kind of prefer the open area areas and the lowlands surrounded by savannah hills. Like I said earlier, they can get up to 10 feet and more than 300 pounds. I mean, that's like... That's hefty. They are the largest lizard on earth in the world. The largest lizard. Yes. But not the largest reptile. No, lizard. Um, They have long flat heads with rounded snouts, scaly skin, uh, bowed legs, and huge muscular tails. Komodo dragons were first recorded by the Dutch in 1910 and they referred to them as land crocodiles accurate they became a little more known after 1912 when the director of the zoological museum in java published a paper receiving a photo and a skin as well as two other specimens from a collector and the first two komodo dragons went to europe to be in the reptile house at the london zoo when it opened in 1927 oh they're really apparently really popular to keep at zoos like people love to have them in their Mm -hmm. zoos but the problem is is they're really susceptible to disease and bacterias and they typically don't do too well as you probably guessed they're the dominant predator on the island that makes sense the largest populations are mostly found on the island of komodo and the island of rinka they like to eat anything meat wise carrion deer pigs smaller dragons oh they cannibalize yep and even large water buffalo they rely on camouflage and patience they just lay low and wait like polar bears yeah and when some poor little floof goes by they jump out they have very sharp claws and they have serrated shark-like teeth that they just grab and they tear they also have venom glands loaded with toxins So these toxins actually lower blood pressure and cause massive bleeding. They prevent clotting and induce shock. It's good times right there. So what they do is they bite down and they pull back with their neck muscles. It's been described as kind of like a can opener type tearing because actually they don't have a very strong bite. Their bite is not even as strong as a cat's. Oh, wow. So really it's the movement of their teeth. It's the movement, how they do it using the muscles in their neck and their body to like tear and then the venom goes in. I'm just going to side note real quick. There's this move in roller derby called the can opener. Oh, sweet. And it's kind of like that. Yeah. Just without teeth. And venom. Yeah. A lot of times if an animal does get away, they 
can get as far as they can get, but they probably won't make it that long until the venom takes effect. And Komodo dragons have this very good sense of smell. They're able to find the prey that went down pretty quickly. I've read two varying things. Some say that they it all happens pretty quickly within an hour or so, and some say that they'll just like take their time and casually follow the scent. Like, whatever. I know you're dead. You're mine. It's and they just take their time and get there and then eat the animal once it's like down. Smart. It kind of reminds me of like in movies when people are being chased by Jason. Yeah. And he's just like walking. Halloween, I feel like is the Michael Myers. Yeah. That's like the most just plot. They, he's just like plodding along. <laughs> he's just like. Dun, dun, dun. And you're <laughs> like, how? And, p- and people, people are, are running, like, cr- losing their minds, falling on the ground, scrambling around. But you I know? think that's it, is they're falling down and scrambling. Yeah. But I feel like that's somewhat accurate. What does that teach us? If somebody looked like that and was chasing you with some sort of pitchfork or what's the knife with the curvy some crazy a sickle a sickle sickle. i feel like i would just like you would be so scared i feel like your legs wouldn't function right it's true so i buy it i totally buy it yeah they'd get all jelly like i would unintentionally laugh because usually when i get scared like that i like i like really awkwardly (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so they have this amazing keen sense of smell they hone in on their corpse very fitting. It is. All, Komodo dragons can eat 80% of its body weight in a single feeding. Amazing. Just to back up a little bit, Komodo mm-hmm. dragons are also known as a Komodo monitor because they're a member of the monitor lizard family. I was gonna ask you, Yeah. So are they related? They're related, yeah. So they're part of the family Varanidae. Mm-hmm. So they're Varanus Komodoensis. In the islands that where I worked, there were, and even here on Guam, there are monitor lizards. But those are much smaller, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Varanus indicus is what we have here. And they like to eat sea turtle eggs and everything pretty much. But they're actually naturalized at this point on a lot of the right. islands. Yeah, there's like a, we just read about that recently this in the past year, right? Yes. So one thing that I'd always heard is that they had so much bacteria in their mouth that when they would bite you, then you would like your arm would rot off in a day. Uh, that's an exaggeration. But anyway, <laughs> so and I always wondered about that. And I mm-hmm. some of the articles still talk about all these different bacterias in their mouth but they did some research in the last 20 years mm-hmm. and there was a paper or an actually an article in Nat Geo that's based on a publication from some research that says Komodo dragons kill with venom and it's dispelling what one expert calls a scientific fairy tale and new study shows that the fierce lizards ooze venom not toxic bacteria into bites to help weaken and ultimately kill their prey. So there was this guy named Brian Fry, like fry some fish, and he is a venom researcher at the University of Melbourne in Australia. That's got to be a fun job. Yeah. So he was looking into the venom of Komodo dragons. He said that actually Komodo dragons kill using, he said, a one-two punch of sharp teeth and the venomous bite. As soon as the animal escapes the Komodo's initial attack, it soon weakens and dies. Then they'll dine at their leisure. He studied the biochemistry of the Komodo venom. They actually studied it from two dragons from zoos that both had to be put down due to terminal illness. So I wonder about that, but they don't do too well in captivity. The venom has some compounds that are as potent as those found in the world's most venomous snake, which we remember the West, they say it's the Western Australia's inland taipan, but actually the lists are all different. It depends on what you're looking at. Right. He said that he wasn't too shocked with his um, findings, but a lot of people were. So some of his earlier research shown that lizards like iguanas, legless lizards, and mono 
monitor lizards like we have here mm -hmm. are venomous. So I guess he assumed that, you know, these uh, Komodo dragons were also going to be venomous. He estimates that close to 100 of the more than 5,000 known lizard species use venom. So that's not very much. He said, what is surprising is that the Komodo dragon's elaborate venom delivery system, he said, and this is a quote, it's the most complex duct system described in reptiles to date. Oh. So that's interesting. Snakes typically have single venom ducts that lead to their fangs, mm -hmm. but Komodos have multiple ducts located between their teeth. Oh. Yeah. It's like as they're tearing, mm -hmm. the venom gets kind of spit out. I guess so. And it means that they don't deliver their venom as efficiently as snakes, but they do it by injecting venom directly via their powerful tearing. Right. They say forceful bite, but we know like that they There's don't no have... force behind it. It's just yeah. the tearing part. It's the tearing part. Like their bite and pull right, motion. Right. And then that will ooze the toxin into the wound during the attack. Does it say how many ducks are in between their teeth or is it just like it it probably does in some study that i yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. get that deep into jen come on <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but this was like and then i found the other article about their astoundingly weak bite so they say that because they're doing that can opener biting technique and that was another study that was at the university of uh, new south wales so it's interesting that they're like, oh, it's not even as good a bite as a cat. They I'm said like, the it's less like, powerful Jesus. than that of a common house cat. But they have a pretty strong bite. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm currently fostering, if you will, two tiny kittens. Their bites are, I mean, one of them actually just full on tried to bite my arm. Oh, my gosh. Just for fun the other day. And it was awful. That is awful. It was They're I mean, learning. She was like playing. Yeah. So it, then I had to leave. I had to leave the room. I'd like <laughs> put her down and be like, no. And like, what? that's what they tell you you're supposed to do. If they start doing stuff you don't want them to do, mm -hmm. you just like leave them by themselves. Oh, really? Yeah. And then you can come back a little bit later. You didn't like pick her up with your mouth by her... <laughs> By her scruff. By, by her scruff. And like, <laughs> <laughs> No, kitty. I, I haven't gone full cat yet, Jen. That's good. Here's interesting. the interesting thing about their bite is they believe that carnivorous dinosaurs had similar techniques to kill how they killed their prey. That kind of makes sense. If you think about a T-Rex, right? She's like giant head. Little arms. Probably not a lot of power <laughs> no. in that. Just, uh, yeah, could, the tearing. The tearing. Yeah, mm -hmm. using like their body and their neck muscles to tear at things. He said that they're not like the cobra where venom is the only thing they got going for them because they have like that double whammy kind of right, right, right. attack. The Komodo's ancient relative is called a Megalania, which makes me think of Melania. <laughs> a Megalania who um, they also had a like a similar venom plus wounding approach. And that giant lizard was around 40,000 years ago. They found uh, fossils in Australia and it was about 13 feet long. Uh, isn't there a dinosaur called a Megalodon? Yes. Are they all also in that same is that family? the shark one? Is that the shark one? I don't know. Check, you can look it, up. look it up. Megalodon. A megalodon, meaning big tooth, is an extinct species of mackerel shark that lived approximately yeah, 23 to 3.6 million years ago. Mackerel? Mackerel shark? So they were tasty. It, they were like tasty sharks? Yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> so anyway, his work was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Because of what he found, it could mean that the megalania was the largest venomous animal to have ever lived. Dun, dun, dun. Megalania. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about their reproduction. Yeah, let's do that. Bear, chicky, bear, bear, getting it on. <laughs> Some other Komodo dragons. That's amazing. Komodo dragon loving. Are you going to make their sound? I mean, I feel like we got some responses from your bat sounds. I don't even. <laughs> Listen. 
because I know the bat sounds. I played it for my son and he could not stop laughing. Really? <laughs> yes. I was like, listen to this. I didn't know I was so good at, at making <laughs> the sounds. So they mate once a year. Oh. The female will give off a scent in their feces. Perfect. For males to find them. Talking about poop earlier. I mean. We're back to the poop. The good thing they don't use Roombas because then it would be everywhere. <laughs> They'd be like, I can't. I can't find her. It's, it's just a trail. It's just shit everywhere. <laughs> Uh, so when he does find her he Mm. scratches her back and licks her body like a seductive way or like i mean well they kind of have like like snake like you know reptile-y tongues like a sexy time with the claws like sexy time yeah so he licks her and if she licks him back they're gonna do it you know what good on you yeah komodo dragons consent is everything 100 percent. and but if she doesn't lick him back sorry does she kill him tough luck no (laughs) but a lot of times and there's a lot of pictures of this and i included one the males will like do this like wrestling like up in the air kind of thing with one another to try and see who's gonna get the lady. Who's gonna get the lady? Mm -hmm. And she's just over there on the side like, Jesus. She's like, you guys are dumb. She's like, I licked that guy. That's the guy I wanted. I didn't lick you. So what are you... So pregnant females will lay about 30 eggs in the ground. They bury them and they hatch eight months later. Wow. That is a long incubation. Yeah. Yep. And listen to this. When there aren't any males around, the females can just make them by themselves. They have both male and female sex chromosomes. So the females can reproduce asexually in a process called parthenogenesis. Yes, parthenogenesis. Thank you. (laughs) That's really amazing. And again... Just more respect for the Komodo. The only way they know this is from studying them in zoos because Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have known this in the wild unless they were watching them really closely, which they do study them in the wild as well. But they learn this in zoos and because they would have these females with no males and all of a sudden, boom, they have some eggs and they're like, what, what? Did this happen with like, was there, when was she around a male? And there were times they couldn't ever trace it. But what they did find was that because she could only pass one one chromosome over. So the ones they had, like I think she laid 11 eggs, Mm -hmm. one of them in the zoo and they were all males. Do they have any like temperature control deals like turtles for like fertilized it by doesn't, a male egg it doesn't say i didn't read that anywhere i only learned that because of you you know that right? yeah about sea turtles their temperature is sex dependent nerd while the asexual reproduction does allow females to mm-hmm. replenish the population which is an evolutionary advantage mm-hmm. it has one significant drawback they can only reproduce males oh when they do that then they're kind of effed because it's just, just going to be a bunch of dudes which is a drawback in the wild the fewer number of females within the population has led to um, evidence of inbreeding. They don't stray far from where they were hatched because they don't have a large territory. It kind of genetic pool is real small. Yeah, it adds to that issue. The other threat, of course, is humans because they have burned a lot of the habitat to clear it for like agriculture. There's been mm-hmm. poachers that target them for meat. I was going to ask, yeah, do people eat the eggs? I don't know if people eat the eggs, but it did talk about people killing them for the skins and mm-hmm. for or maybe getting the trying to get the younger ones to sell to zoos or sell to collectors. It did seem like some people would get them to for for I mean they're big to eat to eat yeah yeah also there's an issue with tourists they do allow tourists to go to these islands and the tourists would 
like throw food out and it would like disrupt the mating process mm-hmm. or disrupt how they hunt and how they feed. They actually closed Komodo Island at some point, but I think have opened it back up. They've um, recently instilled some sort of thousand dollar entrance fee and that's supposed to go towards conservation and all that. In captivity, they've been popular zoo attractions and people try to get them into their zoos. I didn't know they had one at the Honolulu Zoo, but they say they're actually rare in zoos because they don't do well in captivity and they tend to not reproduce well in captivity. After those first Komodo dragons were at the London Zoo in 1927, there was another exhibit in 1934 at the National Zoo in the U.S. in Washington, D.C., but it only lived for two years. They tried to do more exhibits with um, Komodo dragons, but they wouldn't live more than five years. So in the wild, they can live up to 30 years. Once the eggs are hatched, the juveniles actually live in trees for the first um, eight months until they get a little bigger because they're so susceptible to being eaten by the older, bigger lizards. So they just go chill in the trees. Yeah, so they chill in the trees and live and eat up there. Occasionally, people would see them on the ground just real quick to get an insect and then run back up. So by the time they're about eight months old is when they'll start coming down Hmm. when they get big enough to maybe get away. Weird. Mm -hmm. That totally reminds me, there's, there's like some Micronesian folklore about lizards that come down out of trees. Oh, really? I have a little folklore in here in a little bit. So in May of 2009, I guess uh, there were 35 North American, 13 European, and one Singaporean, two African, two Australian institutions that housed captive Komodo dragons. And they monitored a lot of their behaviors um, for those captives. And they said that most of them became relatively tame and they're capable of recognizing individual humans and discriminating between familiar and unfamiliar keepers. They've observed them engaging in play with like various objects like shovels, cans, shoes. And it doesn't seem to be food motivated. They're just like playing around. Yeah, they're pretty smart. I read this other other article that was talking about how they would dig these kind of like burrows or make these like tunnels Mm -hmm. that ended at some point to trap like wild boars or trap prey. What? Yeah, like they would make booby traps for other animals. Isn't that crazy? Komodo dragon booby traps. Yeah. So I found all these articles and I didn't really go into it that like why Komodo dragons don't make good pets because I was like, really? Yeah. Really? Are we really going there? I mean, are people trying to keep them as pets? I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Um, But they say that even though they're pretty docile, like most of the time, they can Mm. be in, even if they seem like they're tame, they can be unpredictably aggressive. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Especially if you have a wetsuit. Especially if you have a wetsuit and you're all squishy and spongy. They just love that. On the island of Komodo, there's about 2,000 people that live there and live with the dragons every day. Oh, for some reason, I just assumed no one was there. No, there are. And of course, there are people living on the Flores Island Mm -hmm. as well. But those areas where the dragons are, are protected... Mm-hmm. Um, and people know to stay out of their territory, you know, like stay in a safe distance from the areas where they are. But on Komodo Day, it can kind of be everywhere. Rinka Island, they're mm-hmm. just park rangers um, that I think, I don't think they live there. I think they just go there and work because it said it's an uninhabited island. So I could be wrong about that, but it seems like there might be some people that stay there year round, but I don't think there's a population of people that live there. It just seems like there's park rangers. And so on Komodo Island, there the, are it's actually like, inhabitants like a village. that have people that have lived with them for thousands of years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, generations. Sure. Not the same. <laughs> Thousand year old people. It's fine. Yes. Magical people. I mean, we already know about the Lilliputians. Yes. 
Whatever island it was, he said, I can't remember now. The tiny people. The hobbits? The Lilliput. The hobbitses? In Lilliput. Oh, right. The tiny peoples. Lilliput? Yeah, from Gulliver's Travels. Oh, yeah. No, they're not like that. I guess. Just, okay. They're hobbitses. I, I love that too. Yeah. Um, And that's what they called them, is hobbits. Like Did real they really live. Yeah, they said hobbits? they're hobbits. Like real life hobbits that existed a long time ago. And then they took a boat over to Ireland. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, it's fine. I can say that I'm half Irish. Let me tell you one of their legends. They call it the tale of the Komodo dragon princess. Ooh. Once upon a time, and I'm just reading this straight from the thing. I love it. But I have the links. I feel like you need to provide me with some hot cocoa right now. This is on the page for the organization that I'm saying we're going to support. Okay. So I'll tell you about it later, but you can find this on that site. Okay. The tale of the Komodo dragon princess. Once upon a time, a princess lived on Komodo Island and was called the dragon princess by the locals. My kids would love this. She married a man named Majo. They had twin children, a boy named Garong and a dragon named Aura. Garong grew up in the village and Aura lived in the forest and they did not know each other. Years passed and one day Garong hunted in the forest and killed a deer. When he was just about to take the deer, the dead deer, a big lizard came and intended to steal the deer. Garong tried to chase the lizard away, but it didn't work. The lizard stood above the deer carcass and Garong was ready to kill the lizard with his spear. Suddenly, a beautiful woman appeared. It was the dragon princess and she calmed them down and told Garong, do not kill her, she is your sister aura i'm the one who gave birth to you two treat her just like a human because she and you are twin siblings the end that's it that's it no twist there well i mean so what they're saying is that Mm. you should you know you're like part of this island and Uh... you're don't kill the lizards because they're like they're part of you oh that's nice when you kind of think about you know that people should live in harmony with nature and the creatures Mm -hmm. around them because they're all part of us we're all uh twins we're like but us humans we're like the evil twin Uh, yeah because we always murder everything yeah and put greenhouse gases out everywhere well then we uh we doctor the narrative (laughs) (laughs) our big stupid brains yeah so yeah, live in harmony, humans. But they don't, of course. Silly humans. Here's some incidences between humans and Komodo dragons. Are you ready? I'm super ready for this. Attacks on humans are super rare, like mm-hmm. rarely happens. So this is a 38-year span recorded from the Komodo National Park from 1974 to now. Mm-hmm. They've only reported, or sorry, that was between 1974 and 2012. There were 24 reported attacks on humans, five of them fatal. Most of the victims were local villagers. 1974, this was a Swiss tourist. His name was Baron Rudolf von Redding von Biberich. There's a lot of Vons in there. He was a he was freaking He's, important. I was gonna say, is he like a prince or something? He's a well, big deal. Well, is he a baron? Or he, his first name is Baron? I don't know. But it said Baron Rudolf von Redding von Bibenberg. I don't know. Somebody. He sounds super important. He was. But what happened is he was with a group of tourists and he lagged behind. I think he had some sort of injury, like maybe he hurt his knee or something happened and they could never find him. This was, like I said, in 1974. They only ever found his hat, a camera, and a single blood-stained shoe. What? Yeah. That's a very slasher movie right there. Yeah, it is. Like, they're just walking in a line. He's, like, a little bit behind everyone. Yeah. And there's, like, the guy in front of him with the flashlight who turns around and he's not there anymore and all that's left is a bloody shoe. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So, poor Baron von Redding von Biberig. 
In 2001, and this was not in Indonesia, not at Komodo Island. This was in the at the Los Angeles Zoo. Oh, this sounds like a keeper story to me. <laughs> this is it, kind of. So there was this journalist named Phil Bronstein. Bronstein. He was married to Sharon Stone at the time. What? Yeah. 2001. Is this back in her? This is in her heyday right now. 2001? I feel like that's kind of at the tail end of her heyday. I don't know. When she did the Crossy Leg over thing and showed her... Her hoo-ha. Yep. You do you, Sharon Stone. Hey, man. That made her famous. (laughs) Yeah, it did. So whatever works. So Sharon Stone, actually... Oh, wait she arranged for a private visit to the zoo's Komodo dragon. Maybe he was really into them. Maybe he thought they were super cool. And she did it as a present for him. Like a birthday present or something? Yeah. And so her husband who, and this was according to a Time Magazine interview with Sharon Stone, apparently he'd always want to see one close up. I'm like, you got a lot of money. Just go to freaking like... Komodo Island. Komodo Island. Yeah. But anyway, so this is how she described the incident is that he didn't know where we were going or why we were going there. It was a complete surprise surprise so we came around the corner and he's like oh my god this is fabulous <laughs> I don't think he said it like that he said oh my god this is fabulous I've always wanted to see this and the zookeeper was like oh awesome you want to go in the cage uh, he's a really nice Komodo dragon he's super mild mannered and everyone goes in there even kids go in and pet him it's totally fine and Bronstein was like heck yeah I want to go in and the zookeeper was like, hey, well, you should take off your white tennis shoes because he might think they're because we feed him white rats and we yeah. don't want to confuse them. So yeah. just go in with your bare feet. But then his feet were also very white. Probably. <laughs> like the tan line stopped around the <laughs> <Yeah>. ankle. <laughs> so, <laughs> he played a lot of tennis. I don't know. So he went in. The Komodo dragon started licking at his feet. Trying to mate. Oh, sorry. Back up. Okay. So he hadn't taken off his shoes yet. He was like, he's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I read a couple versions of the story so anyway it hadn't it started licking at his white shoes and the keeper was like oh maybe he thinks it's the like white rats so that's when he told him to take off his shoes and socks so it wouldn't tempt be tempting to the dragon he moved into a better position to get into a photo with it with the lizard the like dragon he's, like he's crouched down next yeah, to like the he's dragon crouched down trying to do like okay get my pictures this is awesome because i don't think selfies were there yet yeah yeah because the cameras were too big anyway and then it lunged at him she said there was this hideous moment where there are the three of us it's like a break in reality so inconceivable that it's happening but that moment of stillness when you're just in disbelief and then phil screamed and we heard this crunching sound he managed to like pin down the komodo dragon's head with his other foot the komodo dragon was like jerking back and forth trying to like thrashing thrash right yeah and i guess there were kids like at the glass like wall watching oh and they're like ah. <laughs> <laughs> or i would have been glued that would have oh, been like yeah tv I, right there i think prime. my my mom would have been trying to put her hands over my eyes and you know, i would like have been slapping like, it away yeah except what for we happening? were full-grown adults by then we, yeah but still I, I was 21 but if we were having one of those yeah if we were like a kid oh so he managed to like wrench the you know the, the komodo dragon's jaw off of his foot and then dragged himself out of the cage and the lizard came at him from behind and it said that the top part of his foot was gone oh. and it was and he was like covered in scratches from when he was like lunging at his back you know obviously he survived the incident he didn't press charges or anything although Sharon Stone complained that the zoo allegedly continued to allow close-up encounters after the incident which I would complain about that too I'd be yeah. like are you freaking kidding me that freaking you know like you can't blame the animal no but 
Come on, zoo. I feel like the zoo is definitely at fault there because that's like you have a captive animal. You should know better. But I mean, what was up with this guy? And thank God it wasn't a kid who came in. Oh my God, can exactly. Like, what did this guy ever do? It reminds me a little bit of what was the story when I was talking about the, oh, that the bees attacked that pitcher's hair. Oh, because they, or he thought it was his hair gel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sorry, it's not funny. It's not funny. But I'm wondering, like, what what happened? Yeah. Why did it hate this guy? Maybe it was the white shoes. Maybe his shoes were just too white. Maybe they were suede. White oh, suede. Maybe some sort of leathery. Yeah. Maybe it was the shoes that got him started, and then he was just like honed in, like I'm doing this. What if they were just like offensive to the Komodo dragon? Like they were just white New Balance. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you wear those? Those are like old people shoes. That's disgusting. You're married to Sharon Stone. What if they were like Get those white shoes. high top Reeboks? Oh, God. <laughs> the kind that you have to like pump up. <laughs> what were those called? You like know. squeeze a thing. It's like, it's like the air. Yeah, it's like you. I, well, I don't think Jordan's had the pumpy. I, don't I think Reeboks know. had the pumpy. Thing. All I know is I had a pair of white Reeboks. I got them for Christmas when I was 12. That's and amazing. they had like poofy. They were high tops with like poofy things around the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was really into kids and tree torns. Oh, yeah. I had some kids. Luckily, he was okay. But, you know, sucks. This is a really really terrible one in 2007 this was an eight-year-old boy who was playing with some of his friends in the village on komodo island i think Mm -hmm. it was on komodo island they say that he went off to like use the bathroom in the bushes and that's when he got attacked by the lizard Hmm. it lunged at him and they say it tore at his stomach like his middle part the kids were like screaming and everybody was freaking out the boy's uncle came running and was like throwing rocks and like hitting it until it let go but they tried to take him but he had like massive bleeding from his torso he was almost bitten in half he's a kid you know and it just he there was no way he was going to survive from that and they said that that was the first fatal attack on a human in 33 years that they were aware of um it also happened in during the dry season so the rangers there speculated that maybe he was particularly hungry given that watering holes and everything had dried up they thought maybe that was a reason that that would have happened apparently i guess there was like an island-wide hunt for this lizard in particular but they never there wasn't any discovered it or yeah yeah oh that's sad isn't that terrible Poor little kid. Poor people who saw it and his uncle and everybody. It was terrible. You know, the people on the island had lived a long time with the lizards with no issues. And mm-hmm. then some of these things started happening and they're kind of asking like, why all of a sudden is this happening? Why are they becoming more aggressive? Years ago, people would just like play with them in a way. Sure. Because they were just seemed so chill that they wouldn't do anything to people. And now there's like kind of these attacks started happening. That was in 2007. In 2008 was the scuba divers that got stranded. I don't consider that much. Nothing really happened. It approached them. What was his name? Jim? Yeah, but it approached the wetsuits. Right. It had Jim's wetsuit and went after the Helena's stuff. I mean, it was probably really scary, but nothing actually happened. It's just noted. Um, In 2009, 31-year-old Mohammed Anwar, he was getting some sugar apples from an orchard on Komodo Island. He was in a tree. He fell out of the tree, and two Komodo dragons were waiting below, and they attacked him at the same time. His neighbors, apparently, or people nearby, heard all the commotion. They ran over, but by the time they got there, he was... He was fatally injured. Mm. He was bleeding from bites to his hands. 
legs. I mean, his body, his neck. Um, and he died shortly after. They said that he was taken um, on a boat to a clinic in Flores Island, which is a mm-hmm. bigger island, and he he did not make it. There were some other accounts, I guess, and this was in a different article by CNN that said that he was trespassing on the island and was in an area forbidden for people to enter because there are some areas that people aren't supposed to go in because they're known to have a lot of Komodo dragons. Whether or not that's true, I don't think that's a little victim blaming, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Horrible accident. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Two big Komodo dragons. It reminds me of some movie. I'm trying to remember what it is. It's been bugging me. Sorry, I've seen Austin Powers, but those are sharks with laser beams attached to their heads. It's something that's very Clash of the Titans like that I'm remembering, and it's. It's like, uh, like a Hercules. Like it's style very movie? bloody. Like Red Sonia. It's the Dragon Slayer. It's an old movie. It's they were feeding like a virgin to the dragons. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's an Dragon old movie. Slayer? I think it's called the Dragon Slayer. 1981. I think that's it. Are you typing in like that movie, like getting eaten by dragons? I just wrote the Dragon Slayer Virgin. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember it being very graphic when she gets like thrown in. Whoa! There's like full on claws. I never saw this movie. Dude, that's creepy. Because you were one. No, there's some part in there where it's like the baby dragons are mm-hmm. eating like some bloody Stuff. bits. And yeah. they look like Komodo dragons. Okay, moving on. Right. <laughs> Sorry. So here's another story from 2009. It's entitled dragon under the desk (laughs) (laughs) i think i just wrote that in so i would but anyway there is a park ranger or tour guide name and i don't know how to say it m-a-e-n mine mine he went to the staff office just like he does every single morning and this is um on rinka island that's why i was saying i think i know there's people that work there but i don't Mm. think people like live there his building was up on stilts and a lot of times there would be komodo dragons underneath it Mm -hmm. waiting for like any kind of you know because where people are there might be like food or whatever things falling down he went up there and he felt a little weird like maybe things something's not right and when he settled in his desk he looked down and where he's he was just wearing like flip-flops or sandals there was a komodo dragon under his desk looking (laughs) up at him he tried to move very slowly Mm -hmm. but it was not slow enough the komodo dragon chomped down on his leg and his it was like doing the thing where it like clenches down and tears he kicked at its neck and then grabbed its jaws and tried to pry its mouth open and he cut up his arm in the process and he was screaming for help but most of the park rangers were all at the cafeteria like having coffee and breakfast and hanging out and just like you know talking and no one heard what was happening only one person somewhere had heard the noise Mm. he said i shouted and he came to help me but didn't like to come up because the dragon was still moving around oh god and maybe he was scared he's like dude i i want to help you but you know like that's just i can't and then he saw the blood on the floor and he got everyone from the kitchen like from the cafeteria he's like you guys got to come over here they all came running but because of the blood smell the other komodo dragons that were around started oh no. following them oh no and started coming up and following the people to where this guy was it's like that scary? guy's going to get help and the the 
other Komodo dragons are like, follow that guy. Right. Because they have oh, this crazy fuck. sense of smell. They yeah. can smell things from six miles away. Ooh. Like their eyesight's pretty good. Their hearing is okay. But that sense of smell, because that's mm. how they find the dead, you know. Stuff. Stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Komodo dragons are following the other rangers. They're trying to fend them off. It's like some sort of crazy mayhem, sounds like. They go in and they get their friend out. They manage to carry him to the dock and another, you know, to a boat that took him to Flores Island Hospital. Mm-hmm. I have a picture of this ranger. Um, I will put it up. And he's holding up his arm where his arm was sliced. His arm is completely healed. And in that picture, it's six months after the attack and his hand is still completely swollen. Jesus. Because of the venom. Is that the venom? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Right. There's not antihistamine strong enough <laughs> or antivenom yeah. or something. I, yeah. I don't know how they treated him. I imagine they just have to keep flushing it because it's all in the wound. Right. They took him, like I said, to the, the Flores Island Hospital, but it was... The injuries were too much for their hospitals that ended up flying him to Bali, which is another six hours for emergency treatment. He needed 55 stitches. And all in all, it took, like I said, like six months to recover, but his arm was still swollen. Despite it, he went back to work. And although he only stays indoors now, he does not have to deal directly with the animals. He said, and this is a quote, the dragon, I can't remember which one, he's still alive, but I think now he'll be bigger. (laughs) If he had a bigger neck then, I couldn't have like held it open. Oh, wow. I like that they're like, okay, you're on permanent desk duty, but it was at the desk. It happened at the desk. (laughs) So they say that one of the cleaning crew probably left the door open oh no yeah and that little komodo dragon but not so little yeah that medium-sized vicious komodo dragon went inside and was like that guy went to a supervisor and he's like listen i'm gonna need you to provide me with a glass top desk (laughs) i'm gonna need i mean he probably checks everything before he sits down like you would never sit normally at your desk again if that ever happened to me I would check under everything. I mean, everything. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Before you get into bed. Poor guy. Well, luckily he was okay. Yeah. So crazy. In May of 2017, a tourist was attacked by a Komodo dragon in Indonesia's East Nusa Tenggara province. And I'm not Mm -hmm. sure exactly where that is, but the park ranger said it was the first and the past five years. So this guy was, he was 50 years old, Singaporean, Lon Lee Al, or mm-hmm. Ale, I'm not sure. He had reportedly gotten too close. He wanted to get some pictures. Mm. He didn't stay within the safety uh, guidelines. guidelines. He didn't follow what they said. And they said he was severely bitten on his left leg. Uh. They also thought maybe he was disturbing the dragon when it was eating. And that was what might have set him off. And the Komodo National Park encompasses like a lot of islands like i was saying earlier so i think they have these different areas that have different names like uh different what am i trying to say like conservation areas or protected Mm -hmm. areas so i think this is within one of those areas where tourists can go but he got he went within the boundaries and I guess he had been staying with some locals for a couple of days to save money. One of the park rangers said, never risk your safety by staying with locals and watching Komodo dragons without an official guide. Because I think that probably the local people really know what to do and how to exist around the dragons, mm-hmm. but yeah. a tourist wouldn't right. necessarily. After he was injured, he was also taken to the medical center. He was okay. He turned out to be okay. That's good. But, but still. But still. Follow the guidelines. Lastly, in November 2017, Yosef Pasca, 42, a construction worker, he was at the Rinka village in the Komodo district. And he was working on a toilet. 
I think he was repairing an office toilet at this low Buaya resort in mm-hmm. Rinka Island. And he said he was suddenly attacked by a Komodo dragon. From the toilet? From the toilet. Oh, God. He was bitten on his right hand and his leg. I mean, he's just trying to fix a freaking toilet. He's like, come on. Come on. Wait, so it's in the sewers? Who knows? Right. But maybe it was like an outdoor restroom and mm-hmm. he, the door was open and he's like in there just fixing stuff. And one kind of came in and was like, I'm going to bite you. <laughs> so I don't like what like, you're like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Like, hey, you look tasty. The Komodo National Park spokesperson said that he had several stitches to his right hand and leg, but he was taken also by speedboat. They always say by speedboat. Ooh, speedboat. Owned by the Komodo National Park Management Agency. He mm-hmm. had he had a torn muscle on his right leg and had a light injury to his right hand. So could have been worse. And he says, and he quoted, we have reminded them about the behavior of the Komodo dragons. This is him talking about like people coming in like contractors. Mm-hmm. They had that they have a natural instinct to attack anything nearby. So basically he's like, we told you, you gotta be careful because there's <laughs> dragons everywhere. Listen, you took the training. He's like, but I was just fixing this toilet. I was just, I had to look at the toilet and I was fixing it. If I were going to go there to work on things, I would have somebody like watching. You need a lookout. Exactly. You need yeah. to have a lookout because you're just doing your job or you're just sitting at your desk. If you're going to go to these islands, yeah, you got to be like extra all eyes. Sensitive. Totally. It's carrying a flashlight, looking around everywhere. And that's one thing that they said is that now people who live on those islands are more wary now because the attacks have gotten, it seems like they're getting more aggressive. And so they all carry like big sticks. And I'll whack them on the head if they try to, like, attack you or your kids. I always think about if people have, like, pets. I would imagine nobody has cats or dogs there. Yeah. How could you? Or, like, chickens. You'd have to have some kind of, like, super extra safe coop. A Komodo dragon, like, proof enclosure for your pets. I feel like they could get over into anything. Yeah. I don't know. Reptiles, man. There's probably not a lot of, like, Just rando pets, pets <laughs> running no. around. I mean... I'll take care of that stray cat and dog population. <laughs> oh, <real> man. Quick. <laughs> it's terrible. Anyway, I'm just thinking that's kind of sad. Just a bunch of kids growing up with without kittens. Maybe the Komodo dragons are their pets in a way. I don't that know. could eat you. That could eat you when they get bigger. So let's talk about the conservation of these guys. In 1980, the Indonesian government established that Komodo National Park. And that was specifically to protect the Komodo dragon and its habitat. And this is a 700 square mile refuge. Also has other species like the orange-footed scrub fowl, which I don't know what that is, and the Timor deer, which I do know what that is. Oh, yeah. I think those are the ones that are here. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And they also have like amazing marine life there, like whales, dolphins, sea turtles, sharks, amazing like coral reefs and all that stuff, manta rays, lots of fish. That whole area was considered a world heritage site. They established with these park rangers patrols to prevent people from poaching. So these are some of the things that the government had put in place since 1980. They also work with local communities to build awareness of the species and the importance of protecting it. Outreach and education. That's right. In 2013, the total population of Komodo dragons in the wild was assessed to be 3,222. In 2014, 3,092. And in 2015, it had gone down to 3,014. And now it's well under that. The populations remain somewhat stable on the bigger islands of Komodo and Rinka, Mm -hmm. but they've decreased on the smaller islands, probably because diminishing 
prey availability. Mm -hmm. There was another population on another island called Padar, P-A-D-A-R, but they say that it's become extinct. The last individuals were seen in 1975, and that's probably because of the decline in ungulate prey, because people would poach. So they think that earlier estimates from the 70s had the population at around like five to 6,000. Okay. So you can see that it's kind of declining. It's declining quite a bit. And I did put a map in that people can look at that kind of shows the different numbers of what's there now. Almost 2,000 on Komodo Island and a little over 1,000 on Rinka and then some smaller numbers on the other islands. I looked at this New York Times article and this was from like a few days ago, September 8th, oh. 2021. So I thought this was interesting. It's almost like a new science news combined with this story. And they said, sadly, that the Komodo dragon was uplisted from threatened to endangered oh, no. with IUCN. I feel like they're really doing some big evaluations right now. Yeah. And this is because they are doing climate change models. Right. With all of these species that are so dependent, like have very specific and habitats. Habitats. And and, mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I was talking about with the emperor penguins that they depend on that ice and the Antarctic. And Mm -hmm. when you put that up against these climate change models, it just... That's gonna, they're gonna completely lose their habitat. So they said that while experts consider the national parks Komodo dragon population to be stable and well protected, they still face mounting obstacles with long-term survival, that they're very vulnerable to environmental changes because they inhabit a limited belt of land between the island's coasts and deep and steep forested hills. This guy named Gerardo Garcia, he's a conservation biologist at the Chester Zoo in England. And I know I had some friends that actually worked there that I met when I was there. Yeah. So he says that they're quite tight in terms of where they can live. And he has spent almost a decade working with the Komodo dragon protection efforts in Indonesia. The habitat for Komodo dragons is expected to shrink by at least 30% in the next 45 years. And that's because of rising temperatures and sea levels associated with climate change. But outside of the dragon's park, safe haven, urbanization and agriculture clearing are also factors. On Flores, residents compete with the dragons for deer and boars, like mm-hmm. hunting. Mm-hmm. And they also consider that the lizards are a threat to their livestock. Oh. So they're not well loved. Yeah. That does remind me of African elephant. Yeah. Well, a lot of things. We talk about wolves. We talk mm-hmm. about like so many things. Lions. Tigers. Ligers. Bears. Oh my. Like I was saying around 25 years ago, there were 5,000 to 8,000 Komodo dragons that were in these areas. And today they estimated just 1,380 adult Komodo dragons and another 2,000 juveniles left in the wild. That's pretty bleak. Yeah. Um, They talk about other reptilian species that are also isolated on islands are vulnerable to the same threat. So they're like a flag ships species for the state of reptiles worldwide. If Komodo dragons drop past a critically endangered status, they could become extinct in the wild, which we know not extant. (laughs) They would be extirpated. Um, So what they talk about is the same with ember penguins. They could, you know, put them in zoos to try to sort of, you know, keep the species alive, although they're going to be extirpated species, but nobody wants that. Dr. Garcia likened the recent reclassification to entering an emergency room. If we don't react quickly, we're going to have very few animals, he said. That means you go into intensive care. At that point, the only hope for the Komodo dragon would be a precarious one. Captive breeding program and attempted transplants to limited and fragmented wild habitats. Mm. But experts say it hasn't come to that yet. 
He said, this is the last chance and we still have a bit of time. I feel like I'm talking about the emperor penguins again. Yeah. So there is a paper, if anybody's interested, and I think this is probably where a lot of this came from and why they were uplisted, mm-hmm. is there was a paper in 20, September of 2020 in Ecology and Evolution entitled Identifying Island Safe Havens to Prevent the Extinction of the World's Largest Lizard from Global Warming. There's a lot of authors. Basically, they use climate change models to project the species' future range and abundance under different climate change scenarios. And they took all all the monitoring data and all the data that people have collected over the years on the islands. And so the models predict a reduction in range-wide Komodo dragon habitat of 8 to 87% by 2050. That's a big range, That's 8 to 87%. I guess because there's so many things, there's so many right. factors. Yeah. And it says leading to a decrease in habitat patch occupancy of 25 to 97% and declines of 27 to 99% in abundance. I mean, still, even if it's even if it's 27%, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, 99% is like all of it. Yeah. But I guess there's so many factors. Best case scenario and worst case scenario. But the way my mind always works is just plan for the worst case scenario always. Worst, worst case. They said that we show that the risk of ex- extirpation on the two largest protected islands in Komodo National Park, so the Rinka and the Komodo, it's lower because they have um, more safe havens for the dragons. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're higher islands. I'm mm. not sure. But given the severity and rate of the predicted changes to Komodo dragon habitat, patch occupancy... So that's like those little areas. Urgent conservation actions are required to avoid risk of extinction. Are they like trying to identify also other areas in other places that would resemble their habitat should climate change be like a big factor? Are they trying to like... I don't know. They didn't really talk much about that, but it seems Mm. like that they would do better on those bigger islands. Yeah. So they might be extirpated from some of the smaller islands where the numbers are getting smaller Mm -hmm. and maybe those islands are more susceptible to sea level rise. Right, right. That's what I'm thinking. They're pretty cool. I mean, if you look at them, they have like those big scary mouths that are all slobbery and they're always like kind of drooly. And I think of that, it's just... And their mouths are really red, which mm-hmm. is why I think people thought there were all those nasty bacterias. Right, right, right. But I read also that they're really clean, actually. They really clean their mouths when they finish eating like a bloody carcass. Yeah. And so it's just venom. And if they have a lot of saliva, that cleans out your mouth really well. Lots of slawberries. I, I learned that uh, from all those years of chewing betel nut and like my mouth was red and weird, but... Indeed it was. <laughs> Indeed it was. So many pictures. But like I went to the dentist and I didn't have any cavities and he was like, wow, that's crazy. And he was like, well, actually, you know what? That makes sense because when you're chewing, you're salivating more. It cleans out your mouth more. You have like well, a less chance Also, I think all the chewing like cleans your teeth. Sure. Yeah. Well, and then it grinds them down. I think that's the problem with chewing is that you yeah, grind you your, grind teeth, your down. teeth down. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> to nubbins. <laughs> so I think, yeah, these guys are really scary looking and they're, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't want to be too close to one. That's for sure. Mm-mm. And I'm not going to go into an enclosure with one. No. Nor would and I let I, my kids. No, I love rep- ever. reptiles, but yeah. no. No, no, yeah. they're venomous. I, unless there was something kind of, uh, Keeping their mouth closed? You know? Even that, I would be like, no, like a- no way in hell are my kids going near that thing. Look at it from outside the glass, but those kids watching that guy gets. <laughs> oh. oh, God. And Sharon awful. Stone, like, freaking out. Just losing it. I mean, yeah, this would not be an animal that you'd have in, in the touch tank. No. 
you know, this is not like a two finger situation. (laughs) (laughs) This is not, it's not okay. Well, let's talk about the organization to support. Excellent. I found this an awesome one. It's called Komodo Survival Program. Hey. And you can find it at komododragon.org. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. You can go there and donate. So the Komodo Survival Program or KSP, it's an Indonesian based nonprofit organization that was established in March of 2007. And their mission is to provide sound information on wildlife biology to uh, help devise management and conservation plans for the Komodo dragon in its natural habitat. So they work with local expertise, local governments to help improve the knowledge of the biology of the endangered species. And they set up all these programs. Um, There's a lot of really cool information. That's where I got the little story Mm -hmm. about the princess. Oh, the little folklore. Mm -hmm, The folklore. But they have a lot of good information on there. Uh, Probably a lot more than what I shared because I think, you know, there was just so much that I probably left out little things where I know I did. I think they're based in Bali. Cool. Which I love. We love Bali. We've been. We've been to Bali. It was, Bali's well, because it was so cheap to travel there from where we are. Yeah. So. Used to be. Used to be. Yeah. Yeah. It I'd love to, to go back though. It's just a beautiful Do place. Do you remember the period of time where we just wore tie pants all the time? We went to, we had Bali pants. You could buy them for so cheap. A dollar. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, it's so many different pairs. And then at some point I was like, all right, we, I can't wear these anymore. It I just, gotta stop. You gotta just, stop. It was too much. It was a lot. We had like one a pair for every day. Every and they're like wearing jammies. Yeah, pajama pants. Yeah, you can just gain thirty pounds. You'd never know. It doesn't matter. No. One size fits all. <laughs> they're fold they're, it, they're fold huge. It over. Yeah. Tie the string. I think I still have a pair somewhere. <sighs> I saved one. I saved a pair for a long time, and then I was like, okay, you gotta give this up. You gotta Let's stop. Just stop it. Yeah, we could probably pull up some pictures of us. Oh god, in so our, many in our pants. Years, and the worst is that they were mostly capris. Oh, which that's just perfect. Looked awful on me. I love capris. So I, <laughs> that's I true. Do they're cap- like the perfect size for you. Exactly. Yeah. I'm Capri's every day. So yeah, so go check out. You can donate. You know, there's all kinds of ways to support. You can learn a lot of stuff. I It would be cool to go to these islands. Yeah. Definitely, but mm-hmm. from a distance. Maybe with some protective well, clothing. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. If oh. you were going to go. <laughs> Is it that time of the episode? It's that time of the episode. If you were going to go mm-hmm. and you knew you were going to be encountering some Komodo dragons. Yes. What, would you, I've what been, would you take with you? I have been thinking about this throughout the episode as we do. Okay. So just the other day I watched um, Logan which is kind of like the, I mean, they're, okay, X-Men, right? Oh, oh, oh right. Uh, this is okay. Wolverine, yep. right? Logan, Weapon X. Okay. I love Wolverine. He's my favorite X-Man because he's like kind of an anti-hero and he kills people. So he's a cool one. Yeah. And in Logan, essentially natural born X-Men have kind of gone extinct, but then they were making X-Men in a lab with these kids and they had used some of his DNA to create a little girl just like him. So it's essentially oh, his daughter. Right, right, right. And he, he spends most of the movie like kind of wanting to not help her and then in the end he helps her escape and all this but sadly spoiler alert he dies which is it's I mean is I cried still what's his face yeah Hugh Jackman oh he's the best so good he's so, so good top notch I was thinking while you were talking about this and that you got to have like essentially eyes in the back of your head yeah really we just need some like X-Men DNA so that we can always sense where the Komodo dragons are <laughs> If you're going to be fixing toilets. So that was one of my thoughts. But I mean, that's I that's kind of that's not realistic. I that's feel like stretch. it's just because you've been watching X-Men it's, movies. I, it's on the brain. It's this, on the brain. Is this because you have 
a teenage son? Or no, is it just I have how you are? always loved. Is this just how you are? This maybe? is just how I am. I, you know what? Someone recently wrote to us. This guy's cat's name is Silent Bob. Mallrats was kind of like one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And part of it was because in it, Jay talks about Wolverine. And there's like this scene they're standing outside of like a pet store. And they're... <laughs> Anyway, and we're like one of my really good friends, we would like rec- recite that scene. He's like, schnickety, schnickety, schnack. You know, they do this like, <laughs> they do this like battle and he's like pretending to be Wolverine. Anyway, it's the best. So no, it's always just been like a thing. And then I had a kid who's a boy mm-hmm. and I was like, excellent. We're going to watch all. And I'm pretty sure I started him too early. Like right. he, inappropriate, like too much violence <laughs> early on. Because I was like, we're going to, you're going to get into this. And he does. He loves all of those. I mean, we've watched all of them, all the different storylines. Right. There's so many different storylines. Anyway. My kids are into some of them, but mm-hmm. I think they need to be a little older. For so we've watched that. the lighter. The more like fun. Yeah. Versions. I, there was one that we watched with them. It was the girl. Uh, are you talking about Phoenix? Yes, I think it yeah. was that one. Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. I think that was the only one that I watched with them. It wasn't too bad, but I think they need to be a little older for some of the other ones. Definitely for Logan. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's rated R. Yeah, I it's pretty we graphic. stick with PG and under. Wolverine, I think because he's like a full-on killer. Yeah. Mostly X-Men don't kill people. Even in their battle scenes, no one dies. Like when Superman blows up half of the city fighting someone and then no one talks about how many people died in the movie right 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 like that kind of movie yeah, yeah. my kid yeah suspension of disbelief most of them i think there's only like a few movies pg-13 that we've mm-hmm. watched because of language or just little yeah. stuff just because they're still little this is not even in line with those things but we did watch i did let them watch shazam i, I still haven't watched all of that it's I watched the very beginning of it and it was really funny. And then I don't remember what I was doing. I ended up it's stopping funny it. and um, it's really sweet. Okay, I will because it's like foster I will kids. Finally, watch it. Yeah, yeah. when Deadpool came out, mm-hmm. my son was like, "Mom, can I go see Deadpool?" And I was like, "Let me go see it first because I, I mean, I know Deadpool is like really inappropriate." So I was like, "Okay, I'm, I'm gonna go see." And I actually took my mom. She happened to be visiting us, and I was uh-huh. like, "Let's go see Deadpool." And we went to see it together. And there's this like graphic sex scene. In oh my beginning. god! <laughs> and I was like, "Oh!" But my mom laughed through the whole movie. I like, never saw it. It was she thought it was the funniest shit ever, and I was like, "Wow!" I, I don't know. I can kind of you like that. you learned something new about your mom. Yeah, and I came home, and my son was like, "Can I see it?" I was like, "Absolutely not! You're going to be 45 before you see that movie." <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched any of those. Ever. I would highly recommend Deadpool, both one and two. I enjoyed both; they were very funny. So anyway, anyway. Back. Oh, wow. That was a big digression. That's That's going to cut all that. That's going to be a lot at the end. Well, I was thinking about how they smell things from far away, especially like anything with like bleeding or anything. Could you like coat yourself in mud or something like in Predator? Okay, hear me out. Okay. What if you had a version of poopery for Komodo dragons so they can't smell you? What do you mean? The company name is poopery. And it's like you put it into the toilet and then you poo and there's no smell. Oh, you like drop it in there. It's like a, yeah, it's like a... Like those droppers. I don't know if it's liquid or spray or something like that. It apparently works really well. Yeah. One of my, um, when I went on this paddling thing and we had to, it was like a big group of girls. Uh Somebody brought it. And I was like, what is this? And they're like, you just drop it in the toilet and I was like and it like somehow creates a barrier between your poo and the rest of the bathroom the bathroom yeah yeah so I'm just saying there should be like a Komodo dragon poopery (laughs) you can just like douse yourself in it yeah like a lotion and then they can't smell you anymore if they've already bitten you and you're like trying to get away 
No, but it's avoidance. Where this is like to keep it from keep yeah. you from getting attacked. So it would be like a Komodo dragon poopery lotion. Yeah, I had another idea too that is just for the Komodo dragon themselves. Is it seems like a couple of your stories are about tourists trying to take selfies or pictures yes. with Komodo dragon. I feel like the Komodo dragon could really learn something from quokkas. Which is? You know, because their quokkas are like good at taking selfies. I think there should be some kind of training <laughs> right. that the quokkas teach to the Komodo dragon. I mean, that might be oh, wow. a bad be idea. A, <laughs> Just asking for it. That'd be a bloodbath right there. <laughs> Can you imagine oh. how horrible the quokkas <laughs> Just so cute. Just so murdered. Just so eaten. In one bite. Oh. Oh, Quokkas. So maybe that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Yeah. I didn't really think that one through. (laughs) Okay. So I also had, I just so you know, like while you were telling these stories, I was trying to think of all the possible things I could come up with. This last one is just like how we always talk about trying to help species on Guam Mm -hmm. by importing other species. You know, like, okay, we're gonna get the elephants, right? That was an option. Right, right, right. I was thinking about how we have a lot of ungulates here who they're invasive. We would not bring them here. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that the Komodo dragon needs more food sources, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Guam, abundant. This is very Jurassic Park. We could just pack them up, send them over to Indonesia. It's really close. Thinking of that Jurassic Park-esque, like bringing in like, you know, goats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There was an article I was looking at and it was talking about, and this was recent in like 2020, I think. This is like a year ago. Mm-hmm. There was some sort of development happening on one of the islands. I can't remember if it was Komodo or Rinka Island, where they were trying to set up some sort of tourist attraction that was similar to a Jurassic Park. Uh. And people were really upset about it. And there was a picture of a truck driving. It seemed like there was some sort of development happening and the truck was facing off with a Komodo dragon. And that picture just sparked a lot of angry people, especially in conservation. They're like, what are you doing? You know, I'm not sure if this development is still happening or was happening. You know, if it got stopped because of pandemic stuff or or what's going on, but Mm -hmm. be interesting to follow. There's a lot of talk about whether to increase tourism, like how tourism helps or hurts the Komodo dragons. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have that same problem here with manta rays. I was recently talking to a mutual friend of ours about, and that, you know, you want people to be interested in these species, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, you don't want them to be there in the Mm -hmm. habitat because then they're going to disturb the natural behavior of the animals. And that is a big problem. But yet tourism brings much needed income, right? especially for those islands, it will fund their conservation efforts in Mm -hmm. a lot of... I I suggest if anybody's really curious about it, then go to that organization to see what they say about it. Conservation and tourism is like catch-22. Anyway... (sighs) Well, I think we should stick with the poopery, the Komodo dragon poopery. I think you just need longer selfie sticks. Oh, I mean, that sounds like a good combo. (laughs) Just just, I don't know, like if you could be standing like 30 feet away from the Komodo, but -hmm. you have like a stick out in front of it. So it's like (laughs) you get all the picture, all the picture in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a super long selfie stick and maybe some poopery lotion. (laughs) (laughs) Komodo dragon poopery lotion. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Done and done. Yeah. Take care of the smell issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Do we have some Patreons to We thank? have some Patreons to shout out, Jen. Let's do it right now because thank you it's, so much. I'm so excited. It's been a busy week. 
Yeah. It's been a busy week. We've been messaging with people. And let me just say that if you write to us, we will write you back. Just heads up. Mostly. Mostly. Or at least we'll respond. Yeah. It might take like a week. Well. In some cases. Well, I mean, for, I feel like emails. Emails. Yeah. 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 Because I'm always randomly up. By the way, people will write to us and it'll be like 3 a.m. here. And I randomly wake up because cats, you know, at 3. And because you randomly wake up And because I randomly wake up. And I, and I will look at my, which you shouldn't do, but I do it anyway. And I say, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. And I look and then I'm like, oh someone wrote and so I sometimes I wonder if I'm like really writing back normal things because <laughs> then I fall back asleep and I wake up and I'm like oh yeah I did write that like it wasn't a dream so hopefully I don't write weird things to people but we have three new patrons to shout out our first patron is uh Kate Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much, Kate. We appreciate you so much. The second one we want to give a huge thanks to is Scott. Thank you so much, Scott. We appreciate you and your support. And thank you so much. And I think Scott actually wrote us a review. Oh, well. yeah, that's yeah, right. Give us a five star right. review. So. so not only do you get a sticker that I'm going to mail you, but as a Patreon, you also get a sticker or depending on your your level, level of Patreonism, I guess, you're, right. <laughs> then you get more stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then our last new patron of this week is Erica. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you, Erica. We you're appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you guys so much. You know, we try to do our best and we are glad that you like it enough that you want to become a patreon yeah and there are a lot of episodes now i feel like we've got five extra episodes that sounds about right yeah and then there's some science news we'll keep adding those science news every week if there's anything else you guys think of that you think would be fun let us know yeah absolutely and don't forget to subscribe rate and review it helps grow our tiny podcast yes (laughs) and i will mail you a sticker if you send a picture of your animal, I'll send one to them too. Bonus sticker. Bonus sticker. Just don't put it on them. I was going to say, don't stick it on their fur. None of our nature nerds would ever do that in a yeah. million years. Well, thank you again for listening. Wonderful story, Jen. And Thanks. until next time. Don't die out there. Bye. Bye. your glasses they're in the other you're room. holding your phone like three your <laughs> arm isn't long enough i'm like i'm sorry i'm just gonna put it right here i can see it great do you want me to hold it for you <laughs> across the room from a distance <laughs> i can see you're scary when i took my son to a uh, halloween here's the story here's the story well, I mean, I've, I've been to like two haunted houses. I don't really do haunted houses. They're not mm-hmm. my thing because I don't like to be scared like that. And the first time I was young and I hid underneath the table, the cashier's table, and I didn't do it. And then the second time is my son talked me into going into a haunted house. I think you've told this story. Here. I don't think so. You did? Here? No, 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 no. I'm... I've told it to you for sure. Okay. They they had all the characters from all the horror movies mm-hmm. and they like follow you. And I just, I just like cackled <laughs> just so awkwardly. Like just, I don't know. I had the feeling like I wanted to hit them. Like I wanted to push them, but yeah. I knew I couldn't because these are just people. Yeah. They're not mass murderers or anything. Right. They're just people playing a part. Yeah. So I had to stop myself from doing that. And then I just laughed. I actually like at one when I was a teenager, there mm-hmm. was this guy in like this wolf costume and he was was like really close to me and I was like hey you're too close 
but I like your costume. And he's like, hey, what's your name? And like, <laughs> we ended up like exchanging numbers. What? Yeah. You got hit on and on. I got house. hit on. Yeah, it was amazing. 